Hello and welcome back to another episode of the Seriously Good Podcast. The season may be over, but we're still going to be going over the summer. And today is going to be a transfer-centric episode. Well, actually, no, a transfer-centric to begin with. And then we're going to talk about players that we think are going to have a good step next season. And that might have a little bit of transfers to it. But before we get into all that, I'm going to, as always, introduce my co-host for this podcast... Danny Corcoran. How are you doing today, Danny? I'm very good, thanks, Casey. How are you? I'm good, yeah. It's a, it's a decent temperature in, in Manchester for once, so I'm not boiling. But uh, yeah, uh, <laughs> this is my main thing for today. So we're going to be recording, we're going to be going through all the transfers, and then we're going to be talking about some of the players we hope will make a bit of a bigger step next season. So we're going to start with the biggest transfer that's probably happened in the Serie A over the past couple of weeks, and that is Sandro Tonali leaving AC Milan to join Newcastle. A kind of a shocking transfer given how Tonali was viewed by Milan fans and how he viewed Milan, but obviously he's made now made a 70 million euro move to the North East. What do you make of this, Danny? And are you going to say anything that gets you in trouble with Newcastle fans? Yeah, probably, considering I already have. Uh, Tonali, like, as a fit for Newcastle works i think he's the type of guy that like does suit them he works hard off the ball on the ball he is good at set pieces but probably not much else um they've just massively overpaid for a guy that's quite frankly not that good and no matter how much shit he's not even close to being milan's best player like he's not milan's best midfielder in my view that's benacer if benacer is not there that midfield is very dysfunctional and Tenali isn't a controller, he can't set the tempo, he's basically like this workhorse, does a lot of the, the dirty work and then has a good free kick slash corner delivery. So Newcastle have massively overpaid but at the same time, like with City, does it really matter if those clubs overpay now there's no risk involved in their transfers like they can just if they get it wrong they get it wrong and and they can just go they could go and spend 60 70 million next summer on another guy if this doesn't work out like it's just there's no risk if this was any other club it would be catastrophic amounts of money to spend on Sadio Tonali but for Newcastle does it really matter anymore yeah, I kind of agree. I think a lot of Newcastle fans aren't really seeing the sort of play that Sandro Tonali is. I think um, if he's played in a more advanced role and Bruno Gomara stays in a in a more number six kind of controlling possession role, then you're really just underutilizing Bruno Gomara in order for a worse player to do the things on the pitch that you want. You kind of want Gomara to be doing. I think yeah, they've overpaid. I think that there's been a lot of overblowing of how good he is. I think he's a good player. Like I, 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 will, I will say I think he's a good player and he's quite consistently good at doing certain things on the pitch. But I don't think he's the player that everyone keeps painting him out to be. I definitely, he's nowhere near the whole narrative that he, they've, Newcastle are now with the big time because they've poached AC Milan's best player is so overblown, it's unbelievable. Because one, he's not AC Milan's best player. And two, you've poached him purely by paying Milan a lot of money because Milan looked at that price and went oh we're selling you now <laughs> instead of 
Tonali begging to leave New, uh, for Newcastle. It was more just a situation of Milan's board, who are trying to wring as much money out of their prospects as possible, saw 70 million euros and just didn't blink twice. So, yeah, I, I think it's it's just a it's a fine signing. As you said, it doesn't really matter in the grand scheme of things because they can just go and buy other players. And I think that the fact is that Newcastle haven't really got rid of anyone. So if he doesn't work out as well as they hope, I think that midfield still functions to at least the standard it was last season, if not just like slightly below. So yeah, it's just it's an absolute, pro- it's just a, a safety net of a signing. Moving on to another transfer, and this is kind of the player that I think Newcastle fans think they're getting, um, is that Marcel Brozovic has left Inter Milan to move to Saudi Arabia. Um, an interesting uh, turn of events. Obviously, they seem to agree a fee. And then the deal got cancelled and then they agreed a lower fee, which was an interesting one. And I think, yeah, we kind of said last season that Brozovic was slowing down, but I think this is kind of a player that Inter Milan now needs to spend probably quite a bit of money to replace because he was so important to how they played. I think the replacement might already be there. (laughs) And it's Aslani. We'll see how much game time he gets because he moved from end play last summer. He's quite a good controlling midfielder. Yeah, Brozovic... Brozovic is obviously uh, one of the best best players in the league for for the past few years. For for a while, he's part of a hugely uh, successful Croatia team. He's his influence on Inter this season did wane a little bit. Like he was he was involved in like the Coppa Italia win and things like that, but he wasn't relied on up as as much. And then yeah, and it, I mean he's what he's quite old now. I think he's. 33, 34. Uh, just think how much money he can now put into his own crypto. Very. I think I was I was talking on another podcast. I do do other podcasts, unfortunately, uh, Danny. I, I, not to not to burst your bubble. Also, he's only thirty. He do, he seems a lot older. He's, but he is only okay. thirty. Uh, that is that's that's incorrect. <laughs> <laughs> but it does have a lot of um, Johan Cruyff coming back to football because he lost all his money in pig farming sort of scenario where it's just like I need some money um, and this move really just helps me out because they're willing to pay me a lot and now um, not to bring offence to him but to bring down the quality of player a little bit uh, the last confirmed transfer we're going to talk about we're going to talk about some rumours one in a second um, is Timothy Weyer to Juventus I don't get it like I don't get why this is a signing i know there's obviously like the whole having an american player is good because of the growing market in america and the world cup and all that sort of stuff but he's not that good and i don't think he'll if he might be rotating with jesus he might be playing up front you don't really know where he's going to be at this point but like i just it just doesn't seem like a great signing i know it's only 12 million euros but it's not really inspired from juventus and i feel like they should have probably waited until they got a director of football in place before they started making moves like this. Well, I think he's been signed. I think Allegri's decided to go three five two or three at the back. I think Weah's been signed as a wing back, which he played a bit for Lille last season. It's kind of he's not good enough to be like a winger, but he kind of will fill in because Cadrado's like officially left now. He kind of fills in that role, but it's not like a, it's not. It's, I don't even know if it's an improvement. It just kind of feels more of the same, like this once promising wide player turning into a wing back and just 
where you'll get some good attacking play. Maybe they'll learn the game defensively a bit, but it's not. It, you're, you're right. It's not inspiring. I remember we he signing on loan from Celtic when he was at PSG, and like he was meant to be the next big thing, and it's just kind of turned flat, and it's not really worked out for him at all. I mean, obviously his dad is the very famous one, and yeah, we've got we've got a Nepal baby. <laughs> That's basically what it is. He's not that good. It's just it's it's uninspiring. He's average. Yeah, I mean, it feels like they just saw an opportunity to get a, a squad player quite cheap and brought him in. Uh, now we move on to the rumored signings, and we're going to start with probably the bigger. Again, another one of the big ones is that Andrea Onana has been heavily linked with a move to United. This is move has there is interest there, but this move has been moving incredibly slowly as everything with United often does in the transfer window uh, I, I do think that United will probably end up paying what Inter are asking for it's only like a couple of like maybe like 10 million euros difference in terms of the payment pl- uh, packages that they want um, and that'll leave Inter in a I mean obviously it'll give Inter a big windfall because they got him for free last season but it'll probably leave them in a situation where they need to get a player of a similar profile because obviously Onana is one of the better keepers, if not this probably the second best keeper in the league at the moment, um, and and that's kind of it's a big gap to Manion, but it's not awful to be behind Manion, is it really? Um, but yeah, it leaves it leaves into with some uh, some uh, some work to do to replace him, I think. Yeah, that's a it's a very good time for United. He's very he's obviously like a very modern keeper. He's good with his feet. I think he'll give people a scare, but like. He is still is very good with his feet. Like, yeah, he is. He is definitely is the second best keeper in the league, and I think I don't know. Inter, I don't think will budge on on how much they want because they've obviously now sold Brozovic. They their money worries aren't as bad. They got to the Champions League final. Like, if we were sitting here and and like it looked maybe in March time that Inter might not even get Champions League football. But now they've had this deep Champions League run. They finished the season strongly. They're not in the position where they can. They don't have to sell him for a cut price deal. So it will just be a case of whether United decide, okay, we'll spend that full amount because I know United have some financial questions with the takeover not really going through yet. If they want to spend that chunk, it's probably a good decision. But yeah, we'll see. And I think he would he would adapt to life in the Premier League very well. Yeah, I think the thing with United is they're just trying to figure out what they're going to budget on um, this summer. But yeah, I, I think Inter want to make a couple of signings, so maybe they, they can see that Onana and replacing with a, a younger keeper might work out. But yeah, it'll be something to keep an eye on, and we'll probably talk about it at another point during the transfer window. Um, on to the next room, this was kind of one that came out of nowhere, really. Um, it, it, I mean, not in nowhere in terms of it didn't make any sense, but nowhere in terms of it. it's a very weird uh, weird transfer rumour seems like one that would be generated on a football manager and that was that Napoli had a bid rejected from Max Kilman from uh, Wolves obviously this would be to replace Kim Min Jae who has moved to Bayern Munich um, yeah I, I, I'm not really sure on this one the only thing that I'd say about Kilman is he obviously has played a lot of football in a three at the back and that seems to be where he's played his best football so it'd be interesting to see how he fit in a two at the back. I think he'd be fine. He is a very good footballer. As there's all been the talk about how he used to play futsal and he's very good with his feet and he's very good at distributing. But yeah, 
it, it seems like a very inspired signing, I'd say, because I, I think that Kilman's a good player and I think that he probably would thrive uh, in the Italian, um, in the Serie A. Yeah, it's a very like outside the box move from Napoli, which they've sort of made. Like Kim Min Jae was playing in China two years ago, and now he's playing for Bayern. Like Max Kilman's been good for Wolves in the Premier League, and Wolves have struggled in the past few years. He's obviously got the interesting story with the futsal stuff. He wanted to then play for Ukraine, but couldn't because futsal is like a FIFA recognized competition, and he played for England in it. So like. This is a guy that probably would be playing international football if he could play for Ukraine, and Ukraine national teams a good high level. Like they, as a Scotland fan, they are good. They absolutely destroyed us. Um, so I, th- I think the rumor is that Wolves wanted the full forty million euros, so sort of like thirty-five million pounds. They know Napoli have that money. Napoli obviously have Champions League money. It'll be interesting to see if if they can get a deal done, and that would be another. Another English player. We've got that, like, they've got that big cluster of players now starting to go over there. Max Kilman would be an interesting one. And to see him go to a team that is in the Champions League, went on a deep Champions League run last season, won the league last season, that's a big scale up from Wolverhampton Wanderers. So that would be interesting. Yeah, especially with Wolves' struggles last season. Um, it would definitely be a a different change of pace, especially when they were playing with Holopetegi and it was kind of a bit slower and a lot less um, fast-paced as Napoli liked to play the ball. Um, on to the next one. Wilfred Singo has been linked with a move away from Torino. Obviously, he's a very important player for Torino on their right-hand side. He's been linked with either a move to AC Milan, who obviously need to upgrade on Junior Messias at Salamakas and, and so on and so forth. But also Tottenham have been kind of tentatively linked. They obviously have Pedro Porro there, but I think he would be sort of like rotational or backup. Or I don't know because I'm not really sure how Ange Postacoglu is looking set up. Obviously, you know a lot more than me on Ange Postacoglu. Um, but from my understanding, he's not really ever played with a three at the back and wing backs, but like Singo as well. Yeah, he did play a three at the back for Australia for a while, I think, Ange. So he's... He, he is quite stubborn, but I think he can be flexible. Obviously, if he wants to go down the, the way he played with Celtic with the four three three, he's looking for his fullbacks to invert. And Singo is one of the most fun players to watch in Serie A. Like he's he's dribbly, like he's chaotic. He's he's great, but he is a wing back. Torino religiously play three at the back. I don't think he's ever played in the back four. If he has, his experience is minor. I don't see him being defensively disciplined enough to play in a back four. Like he is basically a right winger in possession. He he likes to burst into the box. So I I also don't really get the Milan fit. I think it would be interesting, and maybe he can and learn these things. But I think if you're looking to sign single, that would indicate to me that you expect him to be playing wing-back. And both those moves... I don't know what I'm just going to do at Tottenham, but both those moves suggest that he would go to a team with a back four, and I don't know if that would translate very well to his game. I think it would limit his attacking game, and I think it would highlight his deficiencies. Yeah, it depends whether Milan would stick with the sort of fourth, uh, 3 four, 3 that Pioli kind of brought in last season. Obviously, then Singo would probably fit in a lot better. 
I think obviously with someone like a dodgy on the other side, a dodgy's more likely to do the inverting stuff, and he's probably still young. Or he's probably still got the skill set at the moment that you could probably teach him how to be a little bit more defensive and disciplined um, because he has like the, the pure power and the pace and stuff like that. Um, but I think if you're and Postacoglu, um, there are obviously other links that they've made with. Um, I think it's Mickey Van der Ven they've been talking about which could also lean towards a three at the back um, I think putting Singo and a dodgy and a four at the back is just asking for trouble because they're both probably going to be playing way too far up the pitch and you'll get ruined in transition so I'd say of those two I think Milan's probably better especially purely sticking with that 3-4-3 that he started to pioneer last season I think they, they probably should do and if they do he is a massive upgrade on Salamakas and Junior Messiahs, whoever decides to play the more uh, defensive of the two. Moving on to the next one, um, a kind of interesting transfer. I think Lazio have been doing some interesting business so far. They've obviously been linked with a few players. Um, Kirkes from AZ Alkmaar, who is a, a really good uh, young left-back, sort of left-back left winger. And Marcus Leonardo, the young Brazilian striker who's been kind of catching some headlines Um I think they're, they're doing some good business. Obviously, we were kind of speaking about earlier in the season about how they were going to replenish because obviously they've got an older squad kind of going up towards the upper end. They definitely needed some young players and bring some young blood in, but they didn't particularly have the money to do it. But they look like they're kind of bringing in these players without having to sell their big star. Yeah, I won't lie. I don't know much about Leonardo. Um, but it's a very good project to be a part of right now. Sorry's one of the best managers in the league. He's developed... Like, if you think of the players at Napoli that left that he developed, I think probably the main one, or the highlight one, was Jorginho and what he kind of turned him into before he left for Chelsea. Like, And Sarri plays attacking football, so for a young striker. And Lazio's squad situation is you have a Mobley, but if a Mobley's not playing, and he didn't play a lot of last season, they've kind of had to shift, like, Pedro inside to the striker role and Pedro's very old now they didn't really have that backup option so yeah I think that's a that's a good move for a young striker and I think if you can start to sort of transition away from a Mobley who is the most interesting case study in football sometimes because like nobody could tell you a goal he scored but he scores all the time if you can like start of transition start a transition away from him and develop a young striker, I think Lazio is a good place to be right now. Yeah, definitely. And moving on to the final rumour before we get into something, we'll maybe talk about another Lazio-linked player in the second section. But um, is, again, we're back to AC Milan, and we're back to one of the most interesting transfer rumours, um, and that is them looking to sign Christian Pulisic from Chelsea. I don't. There's not really much explanation other than why why he's 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 injury prone obviously he's a talented player I, I can't really deny that i think he does have talent and has some ability but he's been injured consistently over the last few seasons and even when he does get injured he struggles to get fit quickly and i think you probably get like three games worth of him at his top level and i just think that milan could sign again this is one of those ones where it's like it's like timothy Weir. It's like you could just sign a better player 
for yeah maybe a little bit more around the same price who probably has a little bit more risk attached in terms of the ability but probably has more of an upside than just throwing throwing all your money on Pulisic again he's the he's in inverted commas Captain America um, he has that sort of brand behind him and again with the World Cup coming up probably these teams are thinking how do we get more brand deals and how do we get more exposure and that's the only thing I can think of with Pulisic of why you would go for him over some of the other players that are available. Yeah, I mean, I think the big selling point for Milan and their new owners is American because they're also linked heavily to Yunus Musa, who plays for the USMNT. Yeah, but Yunus, the I, difference between Yunus Musa and Christian Pulisic is Yunus Musa is actually good at football. Uh, but yeah, I think like to be, like Pulisic is talented I, I do think he is but like you said he misses a lot of football and it takes him time to get going so you're by the time that Pulisic like the first say he comes back from injury the first one two three games there's flashes but he doesn't get himself in a rhythm by the time that rhythm comes around he's injured again it also doesn't make sense to me because I know Pulisic is quite versatile in where he can play but his best position and what I would believe is left wing where <laughs> That's where Milan's best player plays. So, like, why focus on the right-hand side? And then, if you're then trying to sign someone from the right-hand side, it shouldn't be Pulisic. It should be a player more suited to that position. It's It makes no sense from a footballing perspective, but I don't imagine that they're signing him for that. Yeah. I just yeah, I just don't get it. Like Eunice uh, Musa has more of an upside. He can also play the right hand side. I'd just rather get him and then spend the money on a better midfielder because uh, that's definitely where Milan needs to strengthen. Um, they've had a couple of links, but there's no one really been um, cement uh, like cemently. That's not a word. Firmly linked, or they don't seem to have anything in in like the latter stages. So now we're going to move on to the second section of this podcast. So me and Danny did some thinking. We've um, thought of three players each that we think will probably do well next season that are ones to watch, maybe kick on, are interesting to us. But before we get into those three players, we just decided to talk about, I'd say in terms of the younger Italian players that aren't the ones that have just kind of spawned up at Juventus this season. These are the three kind of young Italian stars that are going to be the ones that um, are making a claim to play next to the sort of Barella and Tonali at the national team. So obviously we have Fratesi. Had a great season last season. He has been heavily linked with Inter and it seems like he's going to be going to Inter um, if Inter can kind of um, secure that in the next couple of days. We have Samuel Ricci who has been heavily linked with Lazio and we have Ravella who has also been heavily linked with Razio. Oh, Razio has been heavily linked with Lazio. He spent um, last season on loan with Monza. was excellent for Monza but he's returned back to his parent club Juventus. So, do you want to have a quick go through those, Danny? Yeah, so I'll go first with Samuele Ricci. Obviously, was playing for Italy in the under-21s. I mean, looked better than Tonali did, so there's one thing. He rec- he didn't, it wasn't too long ago he made the move to Torino. And I think it took him a bit of time to get going. He's a very, very good midfielder on both sides of the ball. Probably particularly defensively, he likes to like hang back a wee bit rather than burst forward. He lets the others do that, like Tenali, like in the future I'd imagine Casadai will do that while Ricci sits, sorts of thing. But 
I don't see him making the move yet. I think that Torino's a very good situation to be in with Ivan Juric. Torino have a bit of money behind them. They make they make some interesting moves. I think that him staying there would be best for his development. And I think that I like the fit there and the sort of three at the back. Uh, three five two, sometimes three four three. I think that he it fits him well, it fits Ricci well. So I think I would like him to stay there rather than make the jump this summer. I think he's still very young and playing football is the most important thing there. Uh, Ravella, I think will remain at Juve. I think Juve, obviously, like you touched upon, have like a lot of very good young Italian midfielders like that obviously they put a lot of money into their next-gen academy kind of thing. And Ravella, I mean, no one suits how Allegri plays, so it's hard to know, but Ravella's very good at, like, he's good at some of the same stuff as Locatelli. Um, he's good at these kind of sweeping balls out to the to the wide players. It'll be interesting to see how Juve set up, because I think Locatelli's been limited in how much he can do that, because he's pinging the ball out to basically Quadrado on one side or Alexandro Kostic on the other and they sort of don't make those runs in behind. Kostic likes the ball to his feet and then to burst past a player across it. Quadrado the same thing, he likes the ball to his feet and then to invert. So if Juve kind of switch up the way they play I think if Juventus have the midfield options of Ravella, Locatelli well Rabio's stayed uh, Fagioli, Moretti's kind of more of an advanced player. I think that's a nice cluster for them to build on. Obviously, the situation isn't harmonious and the fans aren't happy that Allegri's staying, but it's a nice base to, to build upon. So I think I don't think he'll move either, although Juve have been known to use valuable assets to make different moves, sort of like an NBA trade. Like, And obviously they've got in trouble for a bit of that, but I think... I think I'd like to see those Italian midfielders at UVA stick together. And who was the last guy? Fertesi. Yeah, I think obviously quite a lot of players vying for his signature. I mean, Fertesi isn't a controller or anything like that. He's very Frank Lampard-esque, kind of arrives late into the box, receives the ball. I think he's quite highly ranked in like progressive passes received for midfielders. He likes to get in between the lines, arrive late. He's got a good finish on it. I think I think Inter's probably his best fit there as Chalanoglu's kind of got deeper. Mkhitaryan's extremely old. I think he can play like that Mkhitaryan role where he makes his way up. You've got Barella and, and, Mc, er, and um, Chalanoglu kind of sitting base controlling um and you've got Fertese, and we've seen sort of how he can work in the in the three five two for Italy with Barella, and they complemented each other quite nicely in those uh, Nations League games. So, I think that's probably his best move. I know he's been strongly linked to Roma as well, but I don't see him fitting as well there with with how Mourinho likes two controlling midfielders and then one advanced, and then you want the advanced to be Pellegrini because Pellegrini's still far better than Fertese is. So I think Inter for his career is probably the best move. 
Yeah, like Fratesi's been linked with uh, Roma and Ace Simolan because they also need midfielders, but I just think he just kind of fits. I think he needs the rest of the midfield to kind of be stable for him to do his best work. Um, on, on the other two players, I think Ravella might benefit from... It, it, he might benefit from moving away if the situation doesn't change in terms of I think that Locatelli's kind of better than him. Like Locatelli's amazing. I think he's just been underused there. And I think kind of in terms of the thing, if Juventus need other players and don't have a lot of money to do it, so maybe Ravella would allow them to make some moves. The other thing is I think for him personally, maybe going out alone might again might be a good idea because kind of like the midfield is going to be Locatelli, Rabio and one of the other guys. And I think Fagioli and Moretti and those lot have a lot more stake in that at the moment because Allegri's kind of bunkering in and trying to figure out his, the rest of his team. So if he has a unit that he trusts, which he does kind of with his midfield, he might not be that willing to make that many changes. So I don't know in terms of Ravella. I, I'd like to see him get a lot of game time. So if, if a move allows that, then I'd like to see him get the move because I just think that Juventus just is not a great place to be right now but at the same time I, I would like to see a, an Italian core there because obviously they have some good Italian players and Ricci yeah Torino's a great place to stay I'd like to stay there uh, I think in terms of move Lazio is probably one of the better ones because as we've said their, their project looks quite good they're obviously looking to invest in young talent and kind of bring them in and play them so yeah I think that would be a decent move but we'll move on now to our players and well i'll let you start you wanted to talk about sassuolo's l'oriente yeah um obviously came to sassuolo at the end of last summer i think he even played some league in games for l'orient before making the move but then was part of a sassuolo team that was obviously quite new skamaka had left for west ham um, Raspadori had gone to Napoli and Loyente sort of seemed like the Raspadori replacement. Um, he plays off the left wing. If you haven't watched him, he is extremely entertaining to watch. He takes on his man all the time. He was one of the most creative players in Serie A last season. I think he might have ranked third for... Uh, goals and assists or sh and shot creating actions for under 23 players and Sassuolo have obviously always had this culture or in recent times had this culture of youth development if you think of the players that have come through under Deserbe and now DNEC it's, it's a great culture I want to see if well, why I've chosen is because I think obviously the first year was so successful but I'd like to see him kick on. I know he's been linked to, to bigger moves and I think if sort of I think Tottenham are semi-linked but they've gone with Solomon. I think that would have been a nice move as an, an Ange winger. I think if Milan have to cash in on Liao in the future if the situation he obviously wasn't happy that Maldini left. He's a nice fit for that sort of like left wing role where he can come inside um he like I said he's not he's quite shot happy um but not overly so he will look for his teammates and it's it was sort of a hit and miss season for Solo I don't think they've been as good as they could have been but I think what he's offered that team is he basically carried their attack 
there was not really anyone else there. For Tezzy in the midfield, obviously, we've talked about how he can arrive late in the box, but as an actual attacking unit, Lorienti carried Sassuolo's attack. I'm watching him do 24, so by the time next summer he'll be 25. I think he should be looking for a, an elite-level team move. Yeah, I, I think he's, he's, he's a good player. I, I do think that what you're saying in terms of him getting a bigger move was probably along the time. I think, obviously, the one player in their attack that's been kind of linked with those moves consistently is Berardi, and I think once he leaves, um, then it will be a lot on Loriente if they don't make any big moves. We're going to stick with Sassuolo now and come on to one of my players. Um, one that you might not have heard that much about is uh, Stefano Ferrati. He's a goalkeeper. Spent last season on loan with in Serie B with Frosinone. Um, was a big part of why they ended up as a um, as champions and getting promoted to Serie A. In thirty seven games, he kept twenty clean sheets. He was he played excellently. He's obviously now returned to Sassuolo. Frosinone want him back, um, which could be a good move for him in terms of it gives him a lot more time because I think in Serie A one of the best things for a goalkeeper is to kind of get that trial by fire. In terms of just as many shots as possible and learn how to save them. Obviously, it's these options that goalkeeper have been very interesting. Donnarumma is their main option at the moment, but he's kind of he he's been in a weird place and he, he's not as great as I feel like his his career has plateaued. Obviously, like he started out very young and everyone thought he was going to be this really exceptional goalkeeper. And I think he is still a good goalkeeper, but he's not really hit the heights that everyone expected of being like the heir to, Don, uh, heir to Donnarumma, heir to Buffon. Um, so that kind of leaves a little bit of an opening if one of the younger goalkeepers, obviously Kaneshi, is the one that's currently the, the up-and-comer. But I think Tarati has a good stake to challenge him. Now, it depends on next season what happens with Sassuolo, whether he goes back to Frosinone. They obviously have Consigli at the moment. I think that he should probably replace Consigli. I, I'm, I'm, I'm making a big claim that obviously Consigli is a veteran Italian keeper. He has shown that he's a pretty stable option in the past. But I think that, as we've said, Sassuolo will make a really good case for youth development and sort of bring him through these players. I think he's shown in Serie B that he is an exceptional shot stopper when he needs to be. I mean, 20 clean sheets in the chaos that is that league is nothing to be sniffed at. Um, and I think, yeah, I would bring him into the main Sassuolo squad next season. Yeah, Serie B is chaotic, and to keep that many clean sheets is impressive. It'll be interesting to see if he does start for Sassuolo. Consigli has been there for quite a few years now. If going from a team that dominated the league, I think Frozen only quite comfortably won Serie B, to a team that bounces around mid-table they were quite close to sort of the bottom end of that this year rather than the top end it'll be interesting to see how he translates to that many shots being faced Sassuolo have not, never really had the strongest defence they are an attacking minded team so I think that in the case of, of Italy's goalkeeper I mean it very much is up for grabs in the future Donnarum is like you said not kicked on he does have a lot of credit in the bank, though, I think. And then you have Karnaseki, who I really, really like, who is owned by Atalanta, but was at Cremonese last year, so kind of faced a big baptism of fire as they didn't really win a game until the end of February. But he's still a very good goalkeeper. It's hard to judge young goalkeepers 
it's just all very situation dependent and how they progress is quite hard to determine I think like you would have said that Donnarumma was a huge loss for Milan when it happened but then they'd massively upgraded when they got Magnon and, and Donnarumma stagnated so yeah it'll be interesting to see I agree I think as part of Sassuolo's business model as well like if you can train this young goalkeeper make him look make him your solid goalkeeper in, in Serie A I mean if we look at uh, Vicario who's just moved from Empoli to Tottenham for 16 million like that's the sort of business model that Sassuolo um, operate in so yeah yeah that, that, I, I agree with that because the fact is, is like and Vicario was he's 26 27 like he is like not really going to improve massively from where he is like Tarati has years in front of him and if he gets to a good standard at 22 23 you have the top clubs in Italy will probably be looking to refresh um and yeah, in terms of abroad as well, it's now an option in terms of Italians moving away from Italy is not very common, but we're getting more and more as we've moved on because of the money available. Moving on from an Italian, we're going to be talking about uh, we're going to talk about two players who have been part of Danny's favourite thing in the Serie A, which is the Scottish invasion. Um, <laughs> we're going to start with Josh Doig, obviously at Hellas Verona last season, has been heavily linked with a move to Bologna. It's not been confirmed yet, but it does seem like he's going to be moving to Thiago Motta's Bologna. So I'll let you take the floor for this one, Danny. Yeah, Doig. So he was at Hibs um, before going to Verona. And he started the season very strongly for Verona. Sort of they're, they, again, like a lot of the teams in Serie A, play like religiously a 3-5-2. He played both. He can play both as like your left centre-back in that and as your left wing-back. He loves to take his man on. He has a good shot on him. I mean, he scored twice and assisted three goals in 22 games. So, like, he had a good season even if Verona didn't. But Verona really struggled towards the end and the manager, who the name escapes me right now, completely ignored Doig. Doig's obviously young, plays for Scotland under-21s. But this move to... Tiago Mota team and we've talked about Tiago Mota loves to attack I think that's a nice that's a better fit than a team that's sitting back all the time and I can see why Verona didn't sort of play him towards the end of the season and it obviously paid off they won the the relegation playoff but Doig's best attributes are when he's attacking and he can get in, in behind he can run in behind he likes he can invert I think the stuff that Tiago Mota's doing at Bologna with the fullbacks push on, the midfielders kind of come out to that that fullback space and, and um, the fullbacks invert inside. I think that's a good fit for Doig. And obviously with the guy you're going to touch on, there are there's a Scottish guy there with him. I mean, Hickey was at Bologna, so they've had this sort of blueprint of, of having these Scottish guys and, and really improving them like Hickey went from Hearts who are obviously Hibs's rivals I think is a better prospect than Doig is in fairness but he was at Bologna for two years and was then sold for near enough 20 million to Brentford and is now pushed on again and has seen links to like well he's starting for the Scottish national team he's seen links to sort of like City Arsenal that's not going to really materialise anytime soon I don't think I think he'll stay at Brentford but 
if Doig looks at that sort of blueprint, it's a that's a very, very good move for everyone involved. And I, I think putting him in the more attacking unit, you're going to see a much better Josh Doig than you did last year. Yeah, I I think he'd be he'd be great for uh, Bologna. Obviously, like what Thiago Mota was building there is quite exceptional. I think he's 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 definitely looking now for the the parts that allow him to do the more expansive stuff. Obviously, like last season was kind of them hit a, it was hit and miss on both ends of the pitch. I think Doig in a better attacking system can do some of the defensive work, but Mota wants to keep the ball. Mota wants to attack, so I think that Doig would be a great addition to that team. Moving on to the guy that I wanted to talk about, it's Lewis Ferguson, another Scottish prospect, probably one of Bologna's best players last season, scored seven goals from midfield. Um, a really, really talented player, 23 years old, and a player that I think is kind of the heartbeat of that Bologna midfield. Obviously, we're not sure whether he'll be at Bologna next season. Um, he's been, uh, over the last couple of days, been heavily linked with a move away. Napoli are very interested in bringing him in. Um, he's also been linked with AC Milan, who seem to be linked with every single player who can kick a football at the moment, but we don't know what that is. But yeah, I, I think he'd be great for Napoli. I think Napoli's football really would suit him. I think he would add a little bit more of an edge, um, obviously playing that kind of Zielinski role um, and I, being a much younger upgrade on Zielinski. But I do really like him in this Bologna team. I'd, I'd hope he'd stay because I do like what Bologna are building. Um I like Motta and I like Motta's style and kind of having that Scottish connection for Doig and helping him get comfortable would be very good as a sort of partnership on the uh, between the midfielders and the defence. But yeah, if you want to add anything about Ferguson as a Scottish man, you can because I feel like you're the <laughs> the impromptu expert on this topic. Yeah, Ferguson's really interesting because I don't think he was overly like... He wasn't... It's not like Hickey. Hickey was very much like rated and things were expected of him when he was at Hearts like Celtic wanted him I think a few Premier League teams wanted him Ferguson was less high profile and he was obviously a wee bit older than Hickey is I think he's 23 now Ferguson so it was an interesting one but it's really paid off like he's very good at well his goal scoring speaks for himself he he's really thrived in that midfield role that Mott has created for him that allows him to get forward. And I think like the links to Napoli are just it's madness. I'm just I was just looking there, like he moved to Bologna for around three million euros. He's now probably gonna, they're gonna probably triple well, more than triple that. Like he'll go for ten plus million and he's Scotland are quite strong in the midfield area right now they've obviously got uh, Cal McGregor is kind of linchpin and then you've got Billy Gilmore who is standing out for Brighton in the sort of like last third of the season McTominay is very decisive but scores a lot of goals for Scotland because they limit how much he actually has to touch the ball and just let him get in Ferguson's come on a few times he's sort of in the fringes and he could probably do that McTominay role where you're arriving late in the box and, and things like that so I mean I, I well actually well actually liking the yeah, yeah Ferguson's <laughs> a bit a bit less balls allergic um but I mean if you'd have asked me when he moved to Bologna last summer that it would have gone this well I would not have thought so like this has been some rise and I think a lot of that can go down to Thiago Mata I think has really really 
coach well as a unit and individually improved a lot of players too. Yeah, I think Ferguson, I think Ferguson is going to be one of the interesting players to look at next season. Whether that whether that is at Napoli, where I think he would also be great, we'll have to see. Now we're going to move on to your final player, a player that you you have told me on many times how much you hate, you despise this player, you've never spoke good about this player, you've never said any kind words about him. Uh, so yeah, I don't know why you've put him on the list, but you can talk about Maxime Lopez if you want. I mean. The real, uh, we've obviously now picked three Sassuolo players, but Maxim Lopez has been there for a, a while now. He was Locatelli's partner. He was Fratesi's partner. Maxim Lopez is a wonderful football player that never, has somehow never been picked up by someone bigger. And, and well, all his teammates have ended up moving on, but maybe not Berardi. Him and Berardi have just stuck around, but... Ber- I mean, I mean, I feel like I feel like the, the one thing about Maxim Lopez of why he's not been picked up is because he does look like a child, like he has the physical physique of a twelve-year-old boy, and I feel like that that doesn't really help. But we'll move on with that. I'll let you talk about his technical ability, but I just I just needed to get a picture up just to double check that he does look like a twelve-year-old. He does. Child. He also looks highly like a character from Ratatouille. Um, like he looks very character caricature-like, and he is very small, but. He is the metronome of that Sassuolo team. The way that he can drop deep and receive the ball, turn, recycle possession. He very much reminds me of Billy Gilmore, and and I like that. Not just in stat, they are very similar in like their position. How much they look like yes. a twelve-year-old child. Like they're <laughs> they're very undersized yet, like their technical abilities through the roof and their undersizedness doesn't massively hamper their game like they're positionally intelligent which kind of offsets the physical stuff like they're they're able to cut off passing lanes they know where to put themselves and they're not shy to go in the challenge um and i think maxim lopez is now heavily linked to napoli um because labok has been linked to saudi arabia i think demi's moving on because it's not really worked out and obviously before Lopez was at Sassuolo, he was at Marseille. Marseille Youth and um, Rudy Garcia was there too. So Rudy Garcia has some background knowledge of him. And I think that's a really nice fit and that's a nice step to take. I mean, I've wanted Maxime Lopez to move to a bigger club for years, but he's only 25. Like He's still got all his career ahead of him. And I think the way he'd fit in that midfield... And the way he'd be able to drop deep, spread the ball out to Kavarit Scalia, um, to Hervin Lozano and whoever Napoli bring in, I think that's such a nice fit. I don't know how um, Garcia will play, but if he's signing Maxime Lopez, I think that's a very positive step. Yeah, I, I do think, well, I, I was joking about his stature, but I do think that is something that's kind of worked against him in terms of the move to a big club. Because I feel like, there is a kind of uh, stigma around these defensive midfielders who play as sort of like either a loan or in a pivot that be- even though they have good positional sense and really good on the ball, that they the physicality element, everyone kind of looks down on it. I mean, I, there are so many stories of footballers who have just been dropped out of academies because at 15 years old they're shot. Like, it's insane how much that role learn is defined by physicality, um, even though technical ability 
is something that's now more sought after. You kind of end up in a situation where it's like technical ability and physicality is at the top, then just physicality, and then it's just technical ability. All right, well that if he's not and he's not technical enough that he's been made into attacking midfielder at that height, he's obviously not that good, which is kind of a weird one. But yeah, I I, I, I think yeah. like also he does a lot of the stuff that like like when Locatelli was at Sassuolo, they played in a they played in the double pivot for Deserbi and. Locatelli is better, I'm not disputing that fact, but I think that Locatelli, what Lopez, the stuff Lopez did help Locatelli be the flashier one with his big sweeping passes, with his able to get forward. Lopez kind of provides, Lopez isn't going to be your standout midfielder, he's going to be the guy that allows the others around him to stand out, he's going to do the stuff that, he's going to tick the ball over it, maybe kind of like, like Wijnaldum did in his best Liverpool days before he sort of his legs went a wee bit like they were the sort of guys that never going to stand out but they they allow everyone else around them to do so yeah I think that's a good thing to end on with Maxim Lopez that's a very nice quote little clip <laughs> on to our final player and it's another 25 year old Frenchman and that's the link that I'm going to use my segue uh, who has just joined into Milan and that is Marcus Theram uh, I, I kind of said throughout this this transfer window and to, uh, in like the last stage of the season that in terms of the free agents, when you're not considering like the really big names, I think he was probably the best of the bunch in terms of that free agency. Um, obviously, he he's been great from Borussia Mönchengladbach. He's a really good striker um, slash left winger. He kind of plays in that sort of half space. He's really good on the ball. He does a lot of work. He can bring others into the game. He can score goals himself. And I think Inter Milan have done really well to sign him because I think if they don't get Lukaku back and obviously with Dzeko leaving, I think he acts as a really good foil with Martinez, who Martinez is able to drop deeper, uh, collect the ball, and then Theram can kind of run in from the left space and get those chances. And I think that would be a really good partnership for Inter. And it, it with Inter's kind of monetary issues... Obviously, we've talked about the Champions League money and how that's helped them. I think getting someone to, that replaces someone of Jekyll's standard and someone of potentially Lukaku's standard when he's on his best form for free is a really good transfer. Yeah, I think it is nice. I think there might be some games where it'll be like watching Turam and Martinez will be like watching Stormtroopers try and shoot something because they're both very inconsistent finishers. But I think that Turan was such a good option for a lot of clubs this this summer where if you look at like the fees being quoted for Awesome Hen, for Hoyland, for like even Kane, it's an extravagant amount of money to get someone that's that is very good, that's twenty five years old, so like just about to hit their peak or what people people would expect them to hit their peak for free. Is, is excellent business and like you say Inter have had quite a bit of turnover this summer in the attacking department we'll see what happens with Lukaku but even then they needed to replace Jekyll so if you can have Martinez, Turam and Lukaku sort of, that's three options for your two spots considering Inzaghi's gonna, Inzaghi religiously plays like that 3-5-2 that's, that's probably the best striking options in the league by far I mean, Napoli have by far and away the best striker, but they 
this drop off between him and Simeone. So yeah, I think it's very good business. I think it. I think it. It will be frustrating at times for Inter fans, but I think overall that's very good business. Yeah, I, th- I, th- I think Inter does good business. Obviously, if they get Fratesio on the line, that's add some more goals to kind of help when you you hope that Martinez and Thuram do not hit their bad striking streaks at the same time because that would be catastrophic. But if they kind of manage to <clears throat> Uh, stagger them, then I think that that would be. I thought maybe it was that fans. simple that when one was shooting badly, the other was shooting good. Yeah, if only that's how it worked. That's how titles are won <laughs> in the end of the day. Uh, obviously, a couple of other transfers that uh, are interesting and sort of thing is and Dicker and Awa went to Roma. Uh, just a quick one on those. I think they're both really good free signings as well. I think they were kind of in the lowest stages behind Ferran. I think Awa. Is an interesting one because he he's the sort of player that is either going to be really good at Roma or Mourinho is going to fall out with him within a two months because he just I, I think he's way too wait he can be way too wasteful uh, and I think that that's something that Mourinho will 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 scapegoat very quickly if he does start winding him up. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, but like those two on free transfers, Dybala appears to be staying. Uh, they are heavily linked, obviously, to Skamaka on loan because Abraham's done his ACL and won't be back till sort of like January. That seems like very, very good business. It is third year Mourinho, so we'll have to see what happens. But that's so that's a very strong start to the summer for Roma, especially considering they don't have Champions League football to offer. Yeah, I think the Europa League. I think whoever gets Skamaka, I think a couple of Italian teams should be in for Skamaka because. If he's available on loan from West Ham, then there are a couple of Italian teams that need a striker. AC Milan definitely need one as well, and they should definitely be in for him. It's one of the names that's not linked to AC Milan that definitely should be. And in terms of Roma, I think Volpato has gone to Sassuolo, and I think that's an interesting move because he obviously is a talented player that didn't really kind of have this big thing of, oh, I'm playing for Roma, and it's great, and it's my dream, and then he's got shipped off almost immediately, (laughs) which is kind of painful. Um, but I, I think that kind of wraps it up. We we obviously we might do another one of these again uh, later in the window when some more moves have happened and kind of maybe anchor it more around the transfers. But I think we've given a little good overview of the news so far and the players that we are interested in. We might go back, or we probably will go back to a team um, either next week or the week after in terms of our coverage. Uh, anything you want to say before I finish wrapping this up, Danny? I think that's everything. I think that's everything you think I've covered all the bases um, yeah so again thank you for continuing to tune in and support a seriously good podcast I have been your host Casey that has been my co-host Danny and we'll see you next time ciao